book of Genesis chapter 24, and when you find that, you may stand. Verse 1, And Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh. I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that I shall not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But I shall go unto my country and to my kindred, and take a wife unto my son Isaac. And the servant said unto him, Peradventure the woman will not be willing to follow me unto this land. Must I needs bring thy son again unto the land from whence thou camest? And Abraham said unto him, Beware thou that thy bring not my son thither again. The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and which spake unto me, and that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land. He shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. And if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this my oath. Only bring not my son thither again. And the servant put his hand on the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swear to him concerning that matter. And the servant took ten camels of the camels of his master and departed, for all the goods of his master were in his hand, and he arose and went to Mesopotamia unto the city of Nahor. Let us pray. Our Father, I thank you for the privilege that we have to be in the house of the Lord. I thank you for every blessing of life that you've sent our way. Thank you for this day and what it's meant to us. And, O God of heaven and earth, I pray that you would meet with us tonight. You know every heart and every need. And I pray you administer those needs tonight. God, get glory to your precious name. And I'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And I'm going to talk to you on the subject, God Chooses a Bride. This is one of the most wonderful stories in the entire Word of God. And I think there's certainly... Some practical lessons in the story. Uh, Isaac is 40 years of age. So that's about the right age to get married, I guess. Uh, not really. Uh, but uh, in those days, they lived to be 175 or 80, so that certainly made a difference. But uh, uh, there certainly is a spiritual lesson, and that's really what I want to dwell on tonight primarily. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, 11, that these things are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. So this story is certainly beneficial for you and I tonight. And there's four characters in this story that I believe teaches some lessons about God and about the church. Abraham is uh, the first character that we're introduced to. And I believe he represents God the Father. Uh, the servant is a picture of the Holy Spirit. Isaac is, of course, a picture of the Lord Jesus, the Son of God. And Rebecca is a picture of the church. And I think you'll see that as we get into the message. Now, let's look at Abraham first of all. He's the father. And he gets his servant here and tells him to go get a bride for his son. Uh, I don't want him marrying a Canaanite. Now, there were different reasons for this, I believe, and one of the main reasons is because the Canaanites were idol worshipers, and 
They didn't know the God of Abraham. Abraham himself and his family before him were idol worshipers, if you study the Bible. But God called them out of the land of Ur, the Chaldees, and away from that idol worship and uh, tells them to go into the land of Canaan. But that land also has idol worshipers. And he said, I don't want my son marrying one of these heathen women. Well, that truth is carried right over into the New Testament. And many people ignore that, uh, that truth, and without exception, it always causes problems. Uh, that a believer in Christ is not to marry an unbeliever, uh, as we find in the Word of God. Someone said, uh, if a child of God marries a child of the devil, uh, they'll have problems with their father-in-law. Well, the devil's son is going to give you trouble either way, isn't he? But Abraham sends his servant to get his, a bride for his son. And of course, this is a picture of what God is doing. In Acts 15, 14, Simeon hath declared how God of the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And so the Jews rejected Christ, but the Gentiles are now accepted him. And uh, so he tells him, I want you to go back to some of my kindred that believe in God as I do. And I want to find a bride for Isaac. And of course he does that and the Lord provides that. And then, uh, of course, he doesn't take a bride from among the heathen. The second point I already mentioned. Uh, Ephesians 5, 25 and 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it. Talking about the church with the washing of water by the word that he might pre present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. And so in order for us to be a bride, and, and uh, the spiritual lesson is if we're going to be the bride of Christ, we're going to have to be without spot or wrinkle. Now if you haven't uh, come to the conclusion that you cannot attain that by your own effort, uh, then, then that's sad. Uh, and yet we live in a society where the majority of people think that uh, somehow or another that they're going to achieve perfection. They're going to achieve righteousness on their own. Uh, yet the Bible said, Cursed is everyone that continue not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. I've never met anyone who had a perfect record yet. And yet if a person's going to attain righteousness by their own works. That's what he requires, a perfect record. And nobody can produce that. And so the only other avenue uh, is to have uh, uh, the, someone else's perfection or someone else's righteousness imputed to us. And that's what God does in, in, in the new birth and salvation. We who are guilty, hell-deserving sinners, can have our sins forgiven and the righteousness of Christ given to us. Isn't that wonderful? The new birth is wonderful. And thank God that we can go to heaven when every last one of us deserved to go to hell. Yet God has made a way that we can go to heaven. And we call that grace. And of course, that was provided by the Lord Jesus Christ. So, we must have that cleansing and that washing in order to get there. Now, another truth is that she was in a faraway land. 
he sends him there to Nahor in Mesopotamia. Now that was about 450 miles away. Now that would be a good, a good drive even today, wouldn't it? 450 miles uh, would be, would be uh, an all-day's drive. In those days, that was a 25 or 30-day journey. So this servant didn't just go, you know, uh, you know, across the neighborhood. I mean, he really went a long ways hunting for a bride. Uh, so she is in a far, far, far away land. The Bible said in Ephesians 2.13, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. You and I were away from God too. Cut off from God, alienated from God having no hope and without God in the world. And we were all, uh, cut off from the Lord in a faraway land, but the blood of Christ has brought us nigh to God, the Bible says. And uh, the servant here, of course, Abraham talks to his servant, and he said, I want you to go there, and I want you to get a wife for my son. Now think, what if you had that responsibility? You know, that, that was quite a responsibility, wasn't it? I mean, it says, I want you to go find a bride. I want you to find a wife, not just any wife. There's plenty of women. Where is that? I want you to just find anybody. Uh, I want you to go and, and, and find a, take a wife unto my son Isaac. Well, he may have thought, uh, you, know, uh, you know, what do I know about wives? <laughs> Uh, I don't know what kind of wife to get. In fact, he didn't even know where to go except the general area. And uh, when he got there, he really didn't know which one to choose. Uh, you know, of course, uh, in, in days gone by, the, uh, the parents usually arranged the, the wedding. And, and I don't necessarily approve of that. I think it's better than what we've got now. But in our day, in recent days anyway, it's been kind of the dating method. I try this and this and this and or whatever. Maybe, maybe in your case you tried one, that's that it. You said, that's the one for me. And, uh, but uh, say the, this dating method, well, that one looks good. I think I'd make a good wife. And, and uh, marriage that is based on appearance doesn't have a very strong foundation. There's a whole lot more to it than, than, than outward looks, and yet that seems to be the, the main criteria uh, that is important, but that's not the most important aspect. Now that's not the, that's the uh, like I say, the parents arranging the, arranging the marriage is better than the dating method, but neither one is, is really the ideal. The ideal is for the Lord to direct it. Don't you think so? Since God knows the future, and uh, I think it was Ralph Sexton talking about Ralph Sexton Senior talked about how many years he prayed for his wife, and he always followed up and said, "Some of you wish you'd prayed, don't you?" <laughs> but uh, I do believe in praying. You know, if you're going to ever pray about anything, you better pray about that. Uh, and if you don't believe that, just ask someone that's been through a, a trouble marriage and and maybe a, a, a broken home, and ask them. And I'll guarantee you, they'll tell you, if there's something you better pray about, that's one thing you better pray about. Uh, because it's certainly not a pleasant experience. 
But uh, anyway, he, he sends his servant to get his, a bride for his wife, and he's concerned. He said, uh, uh, you know, what if she's not willing to come? He said, now the Lord is going to send his angel before you. Servant, God's in this thing, and the Lord's going to direct you. But if, she, if she's not willing to come, then you're released from your responsibility. And uh, so he goes on his way. He gets his ten camels and, uh, and uh, his servants, and they head out uh, to, get a, to get a wife for Isaac. Now, the servant, we find the Abraham is a type of God the Father calling out a bride for his son. That's what he's doing. That, that's, that's the age of grace. That's where we're at. That's what the Lord's doing right now around the world through the preacher of the gospel. Now, the servant is, how's he doing it? He's doing it through the Holy Spirit. That's how God is doing his work today. And the servant here in this story is a type of the Holy Spirit going to get a bride uh, for, uh, for Isaac. And that's what God the Holy Spirit's doing. And you know something I've learned? If the Holy Spirit's not in it, nothing's going to happen. Or you can get people to join churches and sign cards and go through the motions, but you're not going to get anybody born again apart from the Spirit of God. It takes the work of God's Holy Spirit to bring this about. Now notice some things about this servant. First of all, he is nameless. Now many believe that this is uh, the servant spoken of earlier, uh, Eleazar in chapter 15 of Genesis. But uh, that may be true, it may not. The Bible doesn't tell us. So he remains nameless. Now we have the name of God the Father, his name is Jehovah. Jehovah means the self-existent one. Uh, that's a, a glorious truth. That cannot be said about anything else. Everything in the whole universe is dependent upon God. But God is not dependent upon anybody. He said, if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. The earth is mine and the fullness thereof. God owns it all, but he's the self-existent one, God the Father. We have the name of the Son. His name is Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Holy Spirit, he's referred to as the Spirit of Truth in John 16, 15, 13, as the Spirit of Life in Romans 8, 2, and the Holy Ghost in, uh, throughout the Bible. I had a fellow tell me one time, he said, he said, now there's a difference between the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost. He said, now that's two, two different people, two different persons altogether. I said, no, that ghost means spirit. Same, when it talks about the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, he's talking about the same thing. But the Holy Spirit does not have a distinct name, or at least we don't know about it. We don't know his name. And the Bible talks about God having uh, a, a uh, secret name. Jacob require, inquires about his name in Genesis 32, and uh, the Lord tells him, why is it that you've asked after my name? And in Revelation 19, 12, and he had a name written that no man knew, but he himself. So he's nameless. Second of all, he was sent. 
John 14, 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And in Luke 24, 49, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And so, as the servant is sent, the Holy Spirit of God is sent to do the same thing that he was sent to do. This servant was sent to find a bride for Isaac, an earthly bride. The Holy Spirit is, is, is calling out a bride, a spiritual bride, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's look at this story. I didn't read it all. But uh, we find that uh, the servant and his, uh, those traveling with him, they arrive in Mesopotamia unto the city of Nahor. Now, if you study Genesis 12, you'll find that Nahor was a brother to Abram. And uh, here he is, and he has a city named after him. And so uh, he kneels down, has the camels kneel down outside of the city by a well of water at the time, the evening time, when the women come to draw water. And he prays about this matter, which certainly is uh, what, what he should have done and uh, what people ought to do today. He said, now I'm here by this well of water, and they're going to come out and draw the water. And he said, uh, uh, the one that you've chosen, uh, when I ask for a drink of water, she willingly gives me the drink of water. But beyond that, she not only gives me water, but she said, I'll draw water for your camels. Now, she just didn't flip a switch. She didn't turn a faucet on. Say, let me turn this faucet on and fill this water and trough up. Not at all. In those days, they dug the wells, and they had a bucket and a rope and, and uh, let the bucket down in the water, and some of you are old enough to remember those days, uh, I guess, <laughs> And, uh, but uh, she had to roll that water, draw that water up out of that well. Now, it's one thing to draw enough water for him and his servants to drink. It's another thing to draw enough water for camels. Now, there's different, different uh, depending on who you, who you talk to or who you read after. But uh, some say that at one camel can drink 25 gallons of water at one time. I've also read that they could drink 50 gallons. So whether it be 25 or 50, let's say 25, he has 10 camels. That's 250 gallons of water. And I'll tell you, that's quite a job. That'd be quite a job for anybody, wouldn't you say? I don't know how much water you could draw up in a bucket at a time. I'd say five gallons. The buckets I remember were drawn lowered in the well one whole five gallon. You know, a five-gallon plastic bucket, that's, that's a pretty good load. So it's, it certainly wouldn't be more than that. Probably wasn't that much. And she said, I'll draw for your camels also. Now, this lady, I'll tell you, was not lazy. This lady didn't spend her day watching soap operas. 
I'll tell you, this lady was diligent. A lot of, lot of characteristics, a lot of character traits in this fine young lady. Now, she was a virgin, the Bible says, and uh, there, of course, uh, uh, the man, as he observes what's happening, he marvels at it, how soon God's answered his prayer. And uh, he, verse 22, it said that he came to pass as the camels had done drinking. The man took a golden earring of half a shekel weight and two braces for hands of ten shekels weights of gold and uh, begins to inquire after this lady. He already knows this is God. This has to be the one God's chosen. And he finds out that she is a kindred of Abraham. Boy, that nails it down that much more for him, don't it? He said, I, all this must be of God. And he asked if, uh, you know, if her father could, uh, could put him up. Now, you will find Rebecca is really the nephew, or the, not the nephew. <laughs> uh, that'd be kind of hard one to The niece, get the right word here. Uh, the niece of Abraham. And uh, uh, there uh, we have... Uh, uh, of course, uh, them, 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 the servant there going uh, to Laban. And if you study the book of Genesis, you will find that, uh, uh, that uh, you have Jacob uh, uh, having, going living with Laban there. And so here the Rebekah comes and they notice that earring and notice those bracelets. And they realize, well, what's going on here? Uh, you know, you know, when God saves us, he just gives us a, a down payment, don't he? And that's what the servant is doing here. And, uh, of course, she explains, and, and the man comes in, and, and they feed the camels and uh, bed them down and so forth, and he begins to tell his mission, uh, what he's there for. And uh, that, uh, uh, that uh, Abraham, of course, uh, God had blessed him greatly. Verse 35, he tells about his riches and he said he has flocks and herds and silver and gold and men servants and maid servants and camels and asses and uh, said God's given them a son in their old age. Now remember, Abraham was 100 and his wife was 90 when Isaac was born. So he came late. He came along real late, didn't he? That was certainly a miracle of God. Uh, so... Uh, he begins to tell about, uh, uh, about uh, his, his master, Abraham, there. He made the right choice, first of all. And the Bible tells us in Ephesians 1, 4, according as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. John 6, 37, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. In 1 Peter 1, 2, elect according to the foreknowledge of God. And uh, he does not speak of himself. But he begins to tell about his master. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. You know, we live in a day in this modern charismatic uh, thing that's going on. And uh, you know one reason I have problems with it? It's because they magnify the Holy Spirit. All the emphasis is upon the Holy Spirit. What did the Lord say about that? John 15, 26, and when the Comforter is come, talking about the Holy Spirit whom I will send to you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, 
which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. John 16, 13 said, he shall not speak of himself. Jesus said when the Holy Spirit is coming, he won't talk about himself, he'll talk about me. And that's what this servant does. He said, I want to tell you about my master. I'll tell you how God blessed him. He's rich, he's wealthy. He's got all these herds. He's got all this silver and gold. And you know, that's what God told him. That's what God told you and what God told me. When I realized I was a wretched sinner headed for a devil's hell, but then the Lord began to tell me and the preacher was telling me and the Spirit of God really was telling me through the preacher that there was a heaven uh, that I could go to. I could get a glorified body. I could live forever. I could enjoy the blessings of heaven instead of hell. Well, I'll tell you, this sounded good to Rebecca. And it sounded good to me. So we have the servant. He's a type of the Holy Spirit of God. But in a way, the servant tells all about his mission and how God had directed him there and how he had prayed about, about the right kind of wife and, and he, had, he had asked God to do this and he said, the Lord done exactly what I asked for and I believe this is the one. And they, after they hear, after they hear what, uh, uh, what has happened, then they agree. They say, why, this must be of God. They agree with it. And of course, uh, uh, we have uh, Isaac. Uh, there is, of course, a picture of the son. But we have uh, uh, the, the servant there uh, staying overnight there. And, and in the morning, he asked permission. He said, I need to go. Now, that was a quick decision. Uh, you know, I, I'm not necessarily, practically speaking, I'm not necessarily in favor of quick marriages. I think you need to find a little, you know, something out about a person. Uh, you, need, you need to find out about them, but I've known of people that in this dating thing, they dated very, didn't date very long. And, uh, and uh, you know, they married and, you know, it worked out all right. Then I've known of others that, that dated for, for a long period of time. But I, I certainly think practically with their method of marriage that it's probably good to not go into it too, too, too soon, too sudden. Uh, but anyway, when God's in it, that's the thing. In this case, now he'd be, listen, he'd be gone probably a month or more to find a wife. And he says, now I need to go back. And uh, they said, well, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, you know we, we don't want to give our sister up. I want to give my daughter up this quick. I, uh, let's, uh, let's wait a while. I mean, a few days, or at least 10 days. <laughs> and uh, uh, he said, no, uh, don't, uh, don't hinder me. He said, God's in this thing, and I believe this is of the Lord, and I need to, I need to get back. Now, there was, uh, that's another five or six weeks journey back, back to where Abraham and Isaac was at. And uh, they said, well, uh, we'll just ask Rebecca. And they bring Rebecca in. She said, I'm ready to go. <laughs> well, I tell you, she knew this thing was of God too, didn't she? And uh, so uh, she gets her servant and nurse and all that, and they, they head back to Isaac. Now, you know, this is, you better, you better be sure, you better be sure this thing's of God. Uh, you're, I mean, you're going to go marry someone probably she hadn't even seen. She's going to travel 450 miles 
It's going to take five or six weeks to get there. Since you can't run back home, things don't work out too well. I mean, whatever happens, she's stuck, looks like. And, uh, but uh, anyway, uh, we, we, have, uh, we have them, of course, giving permission, and uh, they head back. Now, I want you to look at Isaac and some things about him. He represents the son. Uh, in their spiritual lesson, he represents Jesus. He remains at home. Now, this is unusual, isn't it? Uh, you know, God put this story in here for a purpose. You know, if, if, if I was hunting a wife, I wouldn't send Bill to hunt me a wife. <laughs> uh, or, or someone else, you know. I, I think I'd want to take a look at him myself, don't you? <laughs> uh, I'd say, uh, say, Father, I, uh, that's all right, but I think, I think I'll go along. <laughs> I think I'd like to go along and see if I too. So, but anyway, Isaac stays at home. And the servant goes to hunt him a wife. Now, in the, of course, the reason all this happens the way it does, because God's trying to teach us a lesson. Where's Jesus? He's not here, is he? Well, he's here in, in the person of the Holy Spirit. There's one God, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the, uh, God the Son, but these three are one. And uh, yet, uh, he's not here. He, Jesus has a body, and he's not here in, in, in body, bodily form. I know people say, uh, well, I saw him the other day, and he stood at the end of my bed. No, he didn't. No, Jesus didn't stand there. You may have thought it was him, but it wasn't him. Uh, and uh, always when people say, oh, he is there, I saw him. Uh, they always say, you know, say, what did he look like? They say, oh, he looked like the picture. Well, let me say this, you know, with all the love in my heart, if, he, if you see someone looks like the picture, that's not Jesus. Because he does not look like that. You say, how do you know he don't look like that? I know he doesn't look like that because it, that picture doesn't fit the description of Revelation 1. <laughs> and if you read Revelation 1, you'll have a description. That picture don't fit it. That's an artist's conception of what he may have looked like. But anyway, Jesus is not here in a body. He's, where's he at? He's at the right hand of the Father. And the Holy Spirit's doing the work, just like the servant was sent. Now, the Bible said in Mark 16, 19, so then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. So when he went back to heaven, he sat down. As Isaac remains at home, so Jesus is at home in heaven. And he sent the Holy Spirit to do the work for him. Now, number two, he is the heir. Everything that Abraham had, he gave to Isaac. Now, verse 36, And Sarah, my master's wife, bare a son to my master when she was old, and unto him hath he given all that he had. Uh, now, remember, Abraham had another boy, didn't he? His name was Ishmael. By Hagar, the handmaid. In fact, he was born before Isaac. But the Bible said he gave all that he had to Isaac. You don't believe the effects of sin last a long time. Just turn on the news. And you'll probably not listen to the news 
right here in something about the Middle East and about the struggle and the conflict over that land. And the Arabs say, the land is ours. This is our land. The Palestinians, this is our land. And the Jews say, no, God gave us this land. This land belongs to us. You know why the conflict all these many years later all started back there with Ishmael and Isaac and they're still fighting over it. But uh, you say, who does the land belong to? It belongs to the Jew. No question about it. It belongs to Israel. And though they may not have it now, they will eventually have it all. Just like God said. And uh, you know, if I had a chance to talk to, uh, is it Hussein, King Hussein of Jordan, and uh, Assad of Syria, and, and uh, uh, Saddam Hussein of, of uh, uh, Iraq, not only are they going to keep the land they've got, I'm talking about long term, I'm talking about now, but in the millennial reign. Not only are they going to have that, but they're going to have a whole lot more. <laughs> they're going to, their land that God promised them runs all the way into Iraq, Syria, Jordan, takes up all that land. Mark, get your Bible mouth and mark those boundaries that God promised Abraham, and you'll find that to be true. But he said he's given to Isaac all that he has. He said, here's just a little bit of the treasure, just a little sample. And he pours out those jewels and all that. And God's just give us a little taste of heaven. Uh, he throws, uh, he throws uh, a sheaf down on purpose sometimes uh, just to encourage us along the way. Hebrews 1, 2 says he's appointed heir of all things, talking about Jesus. And so he's the heir. Jesus, as Isaac was the heir of Abraham, Jesus is the heir. And we are ours and join ours with Christ. You know, in our system of, uh, of uh, law, uh, if, a, if a husband and a wife get married, then, uh, you know, they're, they're join ours. Uh, that, uh, uh, and jointly responsible for debts, if I understand it right. You know, if one has a debt, then uh, both of them owe it. And, uh, but uh, we are ours and join ours with Christ. He's the heir. Then we have, of course, the servant taking Rebekah, and uh, they, they get back to the country there, and Isaac is out meditating in the field at eventide, verse 63. And he lifts up his eyes, and the camels are coming. Now, I don't, you say, what's Isaac thinking about? I don't know what he's thinking about. And I'll tell you one thing I, I'm pretty sure he's thinking about. He's thinking about... I wonder what kind of wife he's going to bring me. <laughs> I wonder what kind of bride the servant's going to, going to deliver. And he's out there talking to God, no doubt about it, and meditating, thinking about it. And they, he sees these camels coming. And Rebekah lifts up her eyes in verse 64, and when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel. Uh, I mean, she got off. Uh, and she... Uh, for she had said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant had said, It is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. Now the truth is that Isaac goes out to meet his bride. 
And that's what Jesus is going to do one of these days. He's coming for his bride. He's going to come in the clouds of heaven. He's not coming all the way to earth. He's going to meet us more than halfway. <laughs> Heaven's a long ways off, isn't it? But he's coming to the clouds, and we're going up to meet him, just like Isaac went out, went out there in the field, uh, meditating and anxious, no doubt, for his wife to be brought back. And, and there uh, we have uh, the Bible said in verse 66, And the servant told Isaac all things that he had done. And Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah, and she became his wife. And he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Think about that. Boy, that servant doing a good job, didn't he? <laughs> I'll tell you, the Holy Spirit's doing a good job. All that he's get, all that thy gavest me, I've kept, the Bible says. And we come to the last character in the story, and of course, that's Rebecca. And uh, Rebecca, I believe, represents the church. And of course, they inquire to Rebecca there, and uh, verse 58, and they called Rebekah and said unto her, Will I go with this man? And she said, I will go. And uh, that's the decision. That's the decision that, that all of us have to make. Will you go? Will you accept Jesus? And uh, we have to make that decision, don't we? She made it sight unseen. That's what we have to do. I've never seen Jesus. He never, I, I had him talk to him on the telephone. I talked to him in prayer. He's talked to me through the Word of God and through my conscience. But he's, I've never heard him speak audibly. I've never seen his face. But you know something? I accept him sight unseen. <laughs> and when the Holy Spirit one day said to me, Will you go? I said, I'll go. I'll take him. I'll accept him. And this is a wonderful story, a wonderful love story, and a wonderful story about the church and about our relationship to Christ. Let's bow our heads, please.